Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Morning, everyone. How is everyone doing on this fine morning? There's a wave. If you're good over there, I see... uh, I see Philadelphia, I see EHT, this is cool. All right, so let me pray and I'm going to jump into Deuteronomy 4, and I'm probably going to touch a little bit on uh, Deuteronomy 6 as well, since that's Sunday, but let's pray and then we'll jump in, and um, Nicole, I accept your offer to read, but let's pray first. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. We thank you for each one that is represented here today. And, Father, as we look into your word, Father, we pray for inspiration, uh, revelation. And, um, Father, would you show us what our next steps are as we consider your word this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let me just get my volume up a little bit here. All right. So here we go. Um, Nicole, would you mind reading for us? I'm gonna, uh... Sure. Okay. So we're in Deuteronomy 4 today. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can hear me, yeah? Yes. Okay. Uh, verse 1. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I commanded you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I had that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the, the Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you can live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountains while while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and the laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. 
Okay, Paul, let's let's stop there. It's a huge, it's a long um, chapter, and I don't want us to lose focus on on each section. So let's take a look at this first um, section through fourteen. Okay, let me just reset my notes here. Okay. Oh. All right. Now we kind of hop back towards verse one there. It starts off with a simple statement. Now, Israel, year, and I guess another word for year, other translations will say, listen. So God is saying, okay, hang on, pay attention. Um, there's some things about to happen. You've just been through a lot. But uh, Moses is reminding Israel of you know some of the um, rebellions that had happened previously in the wilderness, and now as they're about to enter into the promised land, he wants them to think about their need for obedience in the light of their past rebellion. So, um, little application right here in this first verse. Um, what is what is one of Satan's greatest strategies? Right, is memory. Or not remembering. So one of his strategies is to make us remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. And it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? There's things that God has wiped clean and um, worked out of our lives that he doesn't want us to dwell on. But there's things that we have possibly done in the past that we should remember so that we don't fall into those same patterns, uh, sinful patterns and traps, right? So let's just remember that this is a strategy of Satan um, for us to remember or not remember. So God is reminding Israelites here, just remember what you guys did so that you don't fall back into that disobedience. Okay, so um, let me just, I can't really see that now, I can see you guys. Okay, so... As verse 1 continues, it says, Now, Israel, hear the decrees I'm about to teach you so that you may live. And we get this idea of that the spiritual life and death depends on obedience, right? And that's always true. But in the more immediate sense, the spiritual, spiritual physical life and death depends on the obedience. Why? Because they are about to go into the promised land. And they're going to attack a strong nation and push them out of the promised land. And the only way they can do that is with the blessing of the Lord upon them. So without that, you know, they're in a lot of trouble. So the obedience is really essential to them um, being successful in what God's calling them to do. So obedience is a huge, huge thing, even for us today, right? And if you look ahead, um, Israel's first loss in the promised land, which was Joshua 7, was because, specifically because they disobeyed God. So 36 men died at AI because one man in Israel, I can't pronounce his name, did not obey the command of the Lord. So obedience means life. I have an application question for us. So what disobedience am I engaged in that is affecting my spiritual or physical life? 
right? Because it's it's physical and spiritual. Um, do you understand how that lack of obedience is affecting your future? Uh, why does this matter? Well, one, because we know God has plans for us, right? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. And notice that that is a plural, it's not a singular. So those plans will change over time. And then Job 23.10 tells us that um, God's testing brings refinement, right? So God has a plan for us, and our disobedience is either allowing us or preventing us from stepping into the plans and the refinement that God has for us. So don't allow it to be a stumbling block, but really ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you you know, what am I doing or not doing? And how can I come into alignment with God's instruction for me? I mean, it can literally change the trajectory of your life. Are you tracking with me so far? Everyone good? Okay. Um, I love Deuteronomy, right? You get into this in verse 2, and there's so much richness here. So here we are in verse 2, and he says... Um, do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it. So this is an important principle, right, regarding God's word. We are not to add to it. Um, and another way we can say that is in the sense of making the traditions and opinions of men equal to the law of God, right, we tend to do that. Nor are we to take away from it and possibly through bad teaching, or explaining away passages, you know, they are entire denominations built on this premise. Um, Revelations 22, 18 through 19 says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to them the plagues that are written in, the, in this book. And if anyone takes from the words of the book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the Holy City, and from the things which are written in this book. So what do we learn? God's word is sacred. God's word is complete. It's infallible. We should be careful how we translate, how we um, try to make it conform to our lives. It really should be shaping us and not the other way around. Okay. Um, verse 3. It says, you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. Now, what happened at Baal Peor? So, basically, um, Israel sinned by committing um, sexual sin, spiritual immorality with the woman of Moab. And Moses is warning the people of Israel that if they reject God now, as they did back then, the result would be the same. They would die in the judgment of the Lord, right? So they would not be in God's favor. So God's constantly reminding them of, remember what you did and remember what the consequence was. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead to verse 6. It says, um, observe them carefully. 
kind of towards the end of verse six, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So God's intention was that through Israel's obedience to the covenant, he would exalt them and um, they would be lifted up and be a witness to the nations. So this was so that foreigners, for example, like the Queen of Sheba, who visited Solomon at the height of this blessing, would see that the Lord God of Israel was indeed the Lord God. So that's 1 Kings 10. So no application question here. So what is my testimony or why my witness? Um, what is my obedience showing to the nation or to our circle of influence, right? Are people seeing who God is? Is my life as I live it declaring that the Lord God is God, right? Um, are our actions um, showing people who God is? Are we being the hands and feet of Jesus? If not, what needs to change, right? It could be a simple thing as a simple act of obedience. It could be something I need to stop doing. Um, something I need to start doing. But the point here is, you know, what is my witness declaring to the world? What message am I sending? Okay, everyone doing okay? Doing good? Okay, um, I'm going to jump to... How far did we get, Nicole? We got to 14, right? Okay. Um Nicole, would you mind reading that next section from like 15 to 31? Okay, 15 to 31. Yeah. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make yourselves an idol, any an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, or like any animal on earth, or any bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you are now. The Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan, but you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. Be careful not to forget the covenant, the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Okay, thanks. Let's stop there. Okay, so um, we go back to, okay. So I'm going to look at, I just want to get a little further there, but I'm around verse 9 right now. I'm going to jump from, I'm going to work from 9 through 20. Um, he says, <clears throat> uh, let me just, oops, everything's falling down here. 
Okay, verse 9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Now, this is a section I don't want us to miss. Um, this concept is something that comes up time after time. This idea of don't forget what God has done, right? Let them live in your hearts, right? And then teach them to your children. So testify um, and to their children after them. Now, God was saying, um, don't play the game of do what I say and not what I do. Instead, live out what I've what I've done, right? So do what my word says. So they had to do it themselves and then instruct their children. So let's um let's put a little context into this. So they've just come out of the wilderness, right? They've spent generations wandering around. They're about to enter into the land of plenty, the land of milk and honey. And throughout that time, God was with them. God provided for them. Now God is saying, um, your disobedience was part of the reason you suffered and struggled in the desert. But as you enter in, number one is remember what I've done for you throughout those 40 years. Don't forget that it was me, the Lord your God, that sustained you, that provided for you as you enter into the land of milk and honey, right? And so for us, it's the same, right? We need to remember what God has done in our lives so that when we um, come into bad times, when we come into tough times, that the memory of God's goodness remains with us, that we remember that he's always with us and he's never going to forsake us, right? So remember what God has done for you. And then he says, um, teach these things to your children and their children. And, you know, it is essential to every generation that we share God's goodness with them so that we can preserve the faith that God's established through the earliest generations all the way to today. Um, we are literally one generation away from losing our faith, right? Let's Let's look at Judges 2. Judges, so Judges 2 is Moses is not going to enter in. Nicole just read that. Um, he says, I'm going to die here. And um, Joshua is the one who's going to take them in. And if we look at the book of Judges, so Joshua does that. Um, we get into Judges 2. So we're in the second chapter of Judges. And verse 10 says, after that whole generation had been gathered to the ancestors. So generation passed away. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. But then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, right, idols. So literally a generation later, they had forgotten what God had done for them. This is the risk. Um... Psalm 78.4 says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders 
he has done. Um, Deuteronomy 6, which will be on Sunday, say Deuteronomy 6, 4 uh, through 9, says, Year O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he's saying this concept of the Lord is one is, well, you'll see in verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, with everything that you are, your whole being, these commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So you can kind of see this idea of influencing the next generation is important to God, right? Um, it doesn't matter if you're a parent or not, a grandparent, all of us are called to be preservers of the faith, right? We are to testify, and um, I made a list here of things we can do. So one is we live a life that brings honor to God, right? We live according to his word in a way that points to God's goodness and will bear witness and testify who God is, right? So through our lives and the way we live, we can show the next generation who God is. All right, two, we tell the stories of God's faithfulness, right? We do that in community, in our families, um, in our places of work, wherever that is, we can bring testimony of God's goodness, okay? And then three, I have a very specific um, Deuteronomy 6 outline I'm going to bring up on the screen here. Now, regardless if you're a parent or not, I think this is a good tool. Let me bring it up. Okay, can you guys see that? Okay, so Deuteronomy says, um, talk about these things when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So here are some examples you can use um, in your family with your nieces, your nephews, your grandkids, whatever it is. So let's take, let's break this down, right? So as a parent, none of us have extra time just to add another thing into our life, like, oh, let's do this thing. But if we use these these four times, so when you sit at home, it's mealtime. When you walk along the road, drive time. When you lie down, bedtime. When you get up, morning time, right? If we think of these four times as a natural part of the natural rhythm of our lives, right? These these are times that most of us do, uh, maybe one, all of them. And so you can use these natural times to be effective in reaching the next generation. So when you sit at home, you can equate to mealtime, all right? So the communication style, um, it's a little more formal, right? You're sitting around the table. Your role is as teacher, and your goal is to establish value. So this is when you talk about what's important to you, to your family. Um, like for my family, it's truth, it's serving, it's whatever it is for your family, and so that's a time you can use a little bit more of a focused discussion um, as a teacher, right, to establish values. And these are values based on God's word. Right? Makes sense so far? 
Okay, so that's the first one. Uh, when you walk along the road, we don't walk so much anymore. Maybe we should, right? But that equates to drive time. So drive time is a little more informal, right? Your um, your role is as friend, and your goal is to interpret life. So I remember uh, the first time we went back to South Africa after we had moved here. My daughter, my oldest daughter, was about nine at the time. And she said, Daddy, why are all those people living in the shacks over there? And there was a huge um, uh, kind of like, I guess you would call it a slum here, but we call them squatter camps. And there were houses built out of literally anything. They were like little shacks. And she had seen them before, but never really comprehended. And so at the age of nine, she's like, what is that? And so we were able to talk about who these people are, why they're there. Um, another example would be seeing someone holding a sign, asking for food. Um, Daddy, why is that guy holding that sign? Oh, um, of course, there's a lot of ins and outs around people begging on the side of the road, right? But how do we help people? What is our responsibility um, to those around us? So it's a little more informal and you're helping, you're, you're helping um, kids or people of the next generation kind of interpret life. Okay, so when you lie down, it would equate to bedtime. And it's a little more intimate. Your role is of counselor and your goal is to build intimacy. So it's more of an intimate conversation. Um, and really only, you know, this really mostly applies to those with children in the home. But uh, something I would do is, you know, uh, when my kids were younger, we would use um, the materials that the children's ministry was using, stuff that they sent home or emailed out. We would look at that. But it's a time to speak blessing, a time to pray of your kids, uh, who you want them to become, um, you know, relative to who God says they are. So that's a little bit more of an intimate time. And then the last one there is morning time. So encouraging words, hey, you can do it. As they go off to school or whatever it is, your roles of coach, give them purpose. So encouraging words of a coach will give a sense of value and purpose. Was that helpful? So that's just a way that you can use the um, natural rhythms of life um, without adding another thing to actually invest in the next generation. Okay, so we are at 627. Let me look at my notes here and see how far we can get. Okay, um, so I think a couple of things to remember here is I'm going to go ahead just a little more. Actually, I'm going to jump over to the last part that Corey, um, where around verse 21 to 24, where Moses says, I must die in this land, but you shall cross over and possess that land. Now, Moses recognizes that because of his sin and failure um, before Israel, um, because of his lack of faith, um, he's saying, you're still going to make it even without me. So Moses knew that he was one replaceable. 
And it's a dangerous thing when anyone in ministry begins to think that we are not replaceable, right? We're all replaceable. And so this is the way that we should conduct our ministry, our lives. This is how we should lead groups. I'm recognizing that it's only because of God and his faithfulness and his grace on us that we are in the positions we are in, right? We are all replaceable. Um, 1 Peter 1, 24 to 25 says, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So our focus should always be on bringing the word of the Lord to the people like Moses did. Um, okay, it's 29. All right, we got about halfway. We did okay. <laughs> this is a long chapter. Um, but go ahead and, you know, read through. Um, some really good teaching on don't wish idols and God's mercy. Um, and as you read through this, remember a few things that God's calling us to obedience, right? God is saying, if you follow my ways, I will teach you, I will lead you, I will bless your life. What are the things that are hindering you from um, stepping into everything that God has for you? So, you know, um, remember that even when we fail, um, God is merciful. He doesn't abandon us. We live under a new covenant of grace established by Jesus and that God's always willing to take us back. So I encourage you to read through to the end if you get a chance. Um, you know, we asked a lot of different questions today. You know, what is hindering you from fully stepping into what God has for you? And so I hope you have a blessed weekend um, and allow the word of the Lord just to um, seep into your life to kind of um, simmer as you um, meditate on these words. So let's pray and then I'll, I'll get you out of here. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what you are teaching us. We thank you that we can learn so much um, from your word. Father, we thank you for um, Moses' life, what we've learned from the journey. And Father, that it is a journey, that it's not a sprint, but a marathon. And Father, we pray that we would not miss um, the journey because it's in the journey that you are finding. It's in the journey that you are pouring into us. It's in the journey that you are equipping us for what you would have us do for you. Father, we pray that our lives would be, uh, would bear witness to you, that our lives would allow others to see who you are, that our lives would declare your goodness. And so, Father, we just pray that you would use us. We pray that you would allow us to um, grow your kingdom. And Father, I pray for each one this morning that they would uh, be able to implement um, the revelation that you're giving them today. So, Father, we love you, we bless you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you on Sunday.